everyone, back to Thunderdome Metal Reviews, where we review metal albums most of the time. I am Ben, with me as always, are David, Tracy, and Gabe. But tonight, because I like inflicting torture on my friends, we are doing non-metal albums for the second time. How is everyone tonight? Tortured. I was going to say, who, who thought this was torture? Raise your hand. Um, not me. You muted, David. Tracy, raise his hand. I don't know what that means. I know what it means. It means he felt targeted. Oh, oh by the 90s ness of. <laughs> yeah. Of, oh, yeah. 1997 came in with a switchblade. In a dark needles. alley. Dirty, dirty needles. So, yes, this will be the second uh, grab bag that we've done this year. There will be what I have loosely called perfect non metal albums for metalheads. We'll see whether. The collective agrees on the album selected, but as is the usual, we will start with the album that I picked, which was the debut album by Third Eye Blind, the pilot Third Eye Blind, released on April 8th of 1997, was released on Electra, had a runtime of 57 minutes and 40 seconds, produced by Stephen Jenkins and Eric Valentine. The band was... Kevin Cadigan on lead guitar and backing vocals and auto harp. Brad Hargreaves on drums. Stephen Jenkins, lead vocals, guitars, and keyboards. Some other stuff. Arian Salazar on bass guitar and backing vocals. They did have Michael Urbano come in and play drums on a couple of tracks. And Eric Valentine did tracking and piano and some other stuff. There's also a cello on this album played by Ari Gorman. What'd you say, David? Said unfortunately no Dick Valentine from Electric Six, but that that we time. that we know of. Right. I'll tell you this: you did my wife a solid this week. This buying, she was like, "Fuck yes!" It turned <laughs> okay. into it turned into a whole thing where 1997 returned with vengeance. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, go ahead, Yeah, you go ahead. I was just gonna say this is like the soundtrack to every fucking movie i watched in my formative years of like middle school to high school like i just listened to sound like i never listened to sound from start to finish but i might as well fucking have listened to sound thousands of times from start to finish just how much it permeated pop culture and everything else from like 97 to like 08 it just like on everything Ironically, they're in Sonic commercials now with an, a song off their second album which i found to be hilarious as i was listening to this this week I had some ambiguity at the time between who was Third Eye Blind, who was Three Doors Down, and who was Seven Mary Three. I don't know. There was like a lot of threes happening. We had to listen to Kryptonite today. I'm like, okay, so that was Three Doors Down. Because I would obviously moved to heavier shit by 1997. But as yeah. Tracy says, this was really saturating the air. So... Yeah, kind of life was fucking everywhere and still kind of is everywhere. It's aged okay, actually, I have to say. I find I probably have more like it more now than I'm sure than I would have then. Oh, yeah. High school Tracy would have hated every second of this fucking album. (laughs) That's awesome. Ben, you you were into this at the time? I actually was into this, um, ironically enough, because I found it to be it was neither fish nor foul in my opinion at the time because it was way heavier than a lot of like, you could not loosely call this pop punk, I guess 
in that I think that they would have been grouped in with bands from earlier in the decade, like Green Day or Rancid or stuff like that. But I found this to be way heavier than that. And also kind of emo. Oh, yeah. In a way that some of that stuff wasn't. And before there was the big emo revolution, or at least before I was aware of the big emo revolution. So I, I kind of loved that niche. And uh, the guitars were heavy enough and aggressive enough for at least most of the album. There's a couple of ballads, like the last three tracks are all kind of very balladish. But yeah, it was just aggressive enough that it was like, all right, this is not metal, but this is something that I can put into the rotation that is just not going to completely seem super out of place if you're just hearing music. Well, that's really cool that you were into it at the time. You know, y'all are different generations than me. And I was, you know, into high school at the time that this came out. And I think I was also going in like, you know, more... Uh, finding my my uh, the stuff that I liked on an alternative radio and things like that. And I sort of just, you know, didn't pay attention to these guys when their single broke. And this was the first time really being serious about spending time with them. They definitely had a lot more depth than I gave them credit for at the time. Like I just sort of dismissed them because they were, you know, on, you know, pop radio more often than not. And I think it's a really interesting moment at which to catch this band because you know, they do uh, a fair amount of mixing in their styles. You know, there's pop and rock and there's these emo kind of moments in the vocals. And at the time, I think, too, if I had given this a chance, that mopey vibe would have, you know, appealed to me. And it and it does appeal to me now. So it's interesting to sort of catch this on the back end where I basically just wrote them off before I ignored them. Yeah, I'm a, a whore for lyrics and I really love the lyrics on this album. Um, so, you know, I found what he, he the lyrics they wrote, um, really, I could connect with in, in various places. And also I, I really love the subversive, this song is about really terrible things, but it sounds really upbeat. So therefore it gets a hell of a lot of airplay. Indeed. Yeah. I was surprised at some of these lyrics. I'm like, oh shit, that's, that's what we were talking about. A lot of drug references I didn't understand super well at the time and yeah. just a lot going on. Well, it's interesting because I come into this like I was nine when his album came out. So this wasn't something like obviously like I had a choice in the matter if I was going to listen to it or not. Like it just kind of I got it from a totally perspective like pop culture to me. And just like so everything coming up past after the fact I'm just like, oh shit. And just like hearing it now and making a connection of how much of a freight train this album was in terms of just pop sense of pop culture sensibilities is was kind of shocking to me but it's only like three songs right it isn't no the whole it's album. like the first like half of the album is like on a bunch of like a bunch of shit and just looking at like just uh pulling up their listens through there um they have seven tracks off the sound that at we minimum have 10 million plays or more sure. um let's see i really only i guess there's four of them that i can really think of permeated pop culture but maybe i just wasn't paying attention because i know that Simitron life was like i think still their biggest hit but i remember jumper being in some movies and tv shows i'm pretty sure graduate was too i don't know how it's going to be has had a few covers done of it so which is pretty so really it's, okay mm-hmm. uh like burning man as well like just this album for weeks for me coming out from like just because it's movies and music and movies and TV shows where I heard most of this stuff from because it's still kind of too early to hear on classic rock radio stations, which 
now you're getting close to the 25 year mark past 25 year mark on it so you may hear it more on those but like a lot of it was tv and you and movies well they're a staple on the um lithium channel on xm which is like the 90s grunge and alternative to the surprise of no one uh, <laughs> but yeah yeah, no, this was, I mean, it was a six, it's going at least six times platinum. It was a huge, huge fucking album. Um, something that they've never been able to capture since. And I don't think we need to spend too much time on that. Although I am still a fan of the band and I really love the album they released, I guess it was last year, the year before. Um, but yeah, this was, um, this, this album was something for me back then. And I just do think that it's adjacent enough to be accessible, if you, especially if you're, um, into harmonies because there's a lot of harmonies all over this. Yes, there are. Yeah. That's what my wife said was missing from metal. I'm like, not all of it, mm, a lot of it. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> you should have, have, like, have, you, have you heard of you heard of Power Slave? Indeed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you should just tell her to listen to Judas Priest, like the the early, mm-hmm. the, you know, earlier stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, not sure that would do the trick. It would do a trick. I don't know if it yes. would be the trick. So a what trick do you all that. think? Do you think that um, this would be appealing to metalheads? Or is it a perfect album for metalheads? I mean, we're not complaining about it. And I know we're not a wide sample. We are a sample. Like, <laughs> so. I feel like metalheads, such as our, especially U3, yes. Like, it'd be a great album for them. Because, But, like, if you get somebody like, black metal corpse paint like that's their personality that's what they're like what they're putting on front street no this would not be a perfect item for them that's one of those things that i kind of think you're right but i also don't know because a lot of those black metal dudes really like super poppy stuff because like you'll always see them like doing covers of avril lavigne songs or you know t swift or shit like that just as kind of a goof so yeah. w- would they w- so would they like it as a novelty to kind of poke fun and make up maybe so it might not be the perfect from that that aspect so but. so it's kind of like Mark Wahlberg's character from the other guys that learned to do ballet to make fun of people doing ballet I mean maybe I never watched that movie so you, I'll take your word for it you're not missing much didn't figure I mean I think there's enough for some people to watch him but maybe like high school metalhead Tracy would not have liked this album well, I can say that my metalhead friends at the time did not like this album. So I, I was not a huge fan of this album. And I like the shit out of grunge and some post-grunge, but by 97, I just had drifted too far. I'd lived in Europe, I'd seen things. Yeah, I'm having trouble sort of wrapping my head around like what the um, average metalhead response to this would be. And I think it's interesting that, Ben, that you brought up some of the pop-punk acts of the time in comparison with these guys. I think that, you know, Green Day and stuff like that, they're a lot more annoying than this is. This is like much less annoying. <laughs> and I think well, I in that, in that, that. Respect, they would probably appeal more to someone who's a metal. And they're just like, oh, these people are just posers, you know, like Green Day or whatever. Pretty fly for a white guy. Or yeah, something like that. So it has, I mean, it's a really low bar, but it's got that going for it. I don't think it's super annoying. The only annoying thing, of course, is that listening to it now, uh, Semi-Charmed Life is just like, I'm sick of it. Like I've just had it with that song. Like I can't, like, I don't need to hear it anymore, but that's less of a, more of a cultural problem than a mean problem. I think. No, it is certainly an overplayed song. I still kind of like it. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't need to 
certainly don't necessarily need to hear it, but it's interesting. So if we look at like metal coming out in 97, that was the co-chamber co self-titled, Cryptic Writings and Megadeth came out, um, Machine Head, The More Things Change, Limp Biscuit's $3 bill. So metal was kind of... I, yeah. I own that record. I did not. I own three dollar bill. I did not own this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to rise, shoot straight, and speak the truth by Entomb. So, yeah, there was a whole lot of shit going on. It was kind of yeah. all over the place. But so yeah, I mean, you know, it is just, just something that I enjoyed that I figured you guys might would like. Anything else to say about it before we move on to tracks? Nothing I can think of. Oh, I do want to say one thing. So, Ben, this is the shortest album of the week at 57 minutes. Yes, you won. <laughs> you won your award. Yay. With a, our average, like we had a 57 to one hours and an hour and three minutes. So kind of like average out to an hour for each album. Good job, guys. <laughs> Look at us doing the thing, coming in with the shortest hour, shortest album being an hour. So, yeah, man, I guess, like, this, I got to go first. Uh, and I'm going to say all of them. This is one of those albums that I could just put on repeat still. And, you know, there's tracks that are overplayed, sure, but I can still sit through the entire thing. I'm going to come in behind you and agree with you. Just listen to it and go all the way through. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so, but sure, why not? I mean, I think Semi-Tron Life, however much it was overplayed, is still a pretty good song. Uh, how it's going to be. London is sort of an interesting song nobody's mentioned, but my, yeah, I think all these songs are fine. It goes quicker than the 57 minutes would suggest. I agree with that. I think it helps that like most of the, the tracks are not super duper long. They're on that mid range between three and four minutes. I wouldn't say all of them. I think my favorite ones are the opener losing a whole year, narcolepsy, uh, good for you and London and I think the background is is all right, too. Some of this stuff, I think, is maybe, I wouldn't want to say filler, but it's a little bit less, you know, quality. Like, it sound, it just sounds like other bands doing other things. Like, there's a song in there that sounds like Color Me Bad. <laughs> and there's a song in there that sounds like... I know which one you're talking about, too. <laughs> you, I'm sure you do. Um, I was just like, this is some Color Me Bad knockoff vibes. Um, anyway, uh, I, I also thought there was a song in there that sounded like you know, smashing pumpkins, except no rock in it. You know, it was like kind of a, one of those Billy Corgan type jams. But I think like the it, the problem is a lot like those singles are super overplayed and I can't like, how's it going to be is just, I can't really listen to that. I can't really listen to semi tribe Live, even if I think they're okay songs. Sure. But I was happy to discover the, the stuff that I didn't know. You know, this is like, hey, you know, they actually had some talent here. Yeah, um, Stephen Jenkins is apparently an uh, raging asshole. Imagine that. But um, pretty good lyric writer. Um, I guess we can move on to our second pick, which I'm going to lean on David for because he picked it. Also, I can't find out any information, so I have no idea who was in the band at the time of the recording. What is it? Cryptic Joe and Porky were in it because the other guy had left. And then there's the producer. Hold up. I'll pull it up. Okay. I'll DJ pull Fano. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, but anyway, uh, sorry, I didn't. Usually, you are. It's all all locked and loaded. Let's yeah, say. yeah. Let's I did see. not warn you. It's their seventh album. Um, where Sex Didn't Dust released in 2019 on Sultan Gunther Music. So something the 
newest album of anything that was selected for this time. Yeah, yeah it's Philip Cryptic Joe, Kruterling, uh, and then Hennig, DJ Fono Besser, then Sebastian Porky Ducha, and then uh, Roland Roy Knauf with a revolving door of previous people. But Cryptic Joe and Porky have been with this band for an eternity. Cryptic Joe since the beginning. Yeah. So, yeah. 2019. The Before Time it was one of the last big albums in my mind of the Before Time. Uh, I picked this because when given the assignment, I picked one synth pop, one hip hop, and one EDM album. Like I said, I went to the three other genres I listened to most. And so this is the one I picked for something in hip hop globally from somewhere. And it has its heavy moments and has some whimsy and insanity to it. So I, as a metal, metal head of like Die Kid for gosh, I guess it's like 96. So for a long time, I think they're just about my favorite hip hop that comes from Germany. And there's plenty. Um, but Die Kid is the right combination of biting and devastating and ridiculous and just sick beats in this album man this album is so good they're one of the few groups i feel like that really really got better with time that stuff like back from the 90s and early 2000s is cool and all but man it just from like 2012 that album the one in 2015 and then this one they just get better and better and better uh which often doesn't necessarily happen in a band's career like i don't know if i can call it late career or whatever let's hope that's mid-career but sort of a mid-career like run like that so you know, they're very Hamburg. They abandoned Hamburg a long time ago and live in Berlin, because of course they do. I could keep rambling about Dykens, but I've said too much. Anyway, that's why that happened to you. And I hope you enjoyed it. I You're feel like in at least, deep, David. I'm in very deep. I feel like I've listened to something so many times. I feel like Gabe, at least, is a relatively easy mark for this, hopefully. Er kann ein bisschen Deutsch. Yeah, I certainly can. And um, I know Dykens basically a little bit you know, not as long as you do, but a little bit less. And also I never really followed them. Mm-hmm. You know, I sort of kept track of their like singles um, over the years, but I never really bought their records outside of, you know, the first, the very first single that I encountered in uh, 2002, 2003. Limits. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I think it's interesting that you say that they got better over time and I can't really judge it that well because I'm not as acquainted with their catalog, but I think it's important to point out what it is that they do that's maybe different from other rap groups. Like, I think that they don't really pursue the typical rap career in Germany in the sense that they really hone in on the whimsy and the silliness and also like the partying aspect, like party rap, a lot of it. And that's not what all rappers do in Germany, believe it or not. It's not not all about the party meister. But I think that has allowed them to, you know, create a sort of niche for themselves um, and to create sort of like a cult, you know, following Mm -hmm. um, around that, like, come to our show, party with us. You know, like that's like people, people live for that kind of stuff. And And the the visuals, man, I think. The visuals. Yeah. Yeah. So um, like a like a Deutsche Prodigy? Prodigy, I would say, is like more they're definitely more firmly in like the electronic music raver sort of camp, but like Dyson like, Beastie Boys. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, but they're they're not they they they're a little bit smarter, I think, at times. And like the political commentary thing here, you don't see it so much as in other places, but like one of the most impressive songs was they did this anti-World Cup anthem, which was so so good and so Indeed. devastating 
Oh, when they come at you, they come at you hard. But there's elements yeah. of it in at least the title track. Shit, dude. There's a few things. Yeah, it's oblique, but or the one, you know, two albums back about the neoliberal workplace <laughs> with the video with them racing chairs in a parking deck till they're, you know, in a parking deck till they were dead, basically. So yeah, they they are not as political as you know, Curse or you know, there's a lot of hip hop in Germany that's pretty biting, but you know, they oscillate from sort of silly to just really biting very quickly. It's often in the same song, and just the vi- the videos as they've gotten their hands on money have gotten more absurd. Their stage shows are amazing, like them live. I mean, it's I don't want to call it guar exactly, but it is a little bit cult like in terms of the enthusiasm it seems to generate in people yeah i don't know what the analogy would be in the u.s we don't quite have this you know who it reminds yeah. me of listening to it like not understanding nothing so just noise almfao yeah i can see that that's um, like just audibly who comes to mind a lot because they have a much more poppy sound to it like and like the electronic like electronic dance aspect to it which just looking at the pictures of i'm not gonna try behind Dykekind. Dykekind. Just looking at the pictures and stuff, kind of like the shows and like probably the laser show and everything else they put on behind it and strobe light. Like I could see kind of like a very much party, like you guys talked about a much more party aspect behind it. So like LMFAO, like that just kind of what comes to mind when I hear it. I can see that. It's children of the dykes, like dykes and levies, because Hamburg. Almost as terrifying as children of the corn. Yeah. Almost, man. Their city, uh, their city's hard. So I got to say that this was a hard lift, not because I didn't think it was good. It's just since I do not understand German at all, essentially. And with hip hop, one of the things that I love about hip hop, as I said, I'm a poor for lyrics and hip hop relies so much on the verbal sure. aspect of it that not being able to really understand any of it just really made this was a barrier to really get into it. Like I like some of the beats and stuff that they use, but like they're not super intricate either to, to Tracy's point. And it's it. I would find myself nodding along, and I was like, you know, I bet this is really good if I could understand it. Which I mean, you're your thir- your third best at Italian, Ben. Start practicing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, it's one of those things when we've done uh, Teutonic rock when it's sung in German, it, it hasn't really bothered me because, like, I, I could at least super get into the music. And a lot of times with metal, the lyrics are kind of trash anyway, and I complain about that all the time. Um, <laughs> or cheesy. Yeah, or stuff like with a, a band that we may have to strike from our, our list, but Rammstein, where hmm. they're big enough that, you know, it's easy to access the English lyrics if I want to. And then I can be like, oh, okay, this is what this is about, and then just enjoy it. And I'm not saying that there's not a website that has done that for Daikind, but I was not a, did not find it. So, yeah, this was uh, a bit challenging because of that. Some of the videos have English subtitles. Right. Which is helpful. Yeah, that would be. I know I'll agree, like second bin in the comment. Like with it being rap that if you don't understand the lyrics, it's kind of hard to really kind of buy into. But there are moments on this album where it just kind of like slaps anyways, and so it's still mm-hmm. pretty good to go with. I listen to a lot of hip hop and languages I don't know. <laughs> the thing that I do, which I guess is weird, but German's the one I do know. But part of me feels like, you know, I you I just seen audiences abroad who don't necessarily know much English and they're just singing Coolio. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. I feel like some of it transcends. But yeah, no, I can see how that would definitely be a bit of a buzzkill. I'm probably going to, if you stay on it, I'll make you watch one or two of these. The videos are so amazing from this album. 
Uh, and as I said, some of them have English running at the bottom. For sure. And I actually want to show them yeah. Limit or, or Bon Voyage. You know, we can show them the origins, <laughs> and the origin story, and then catapult forward. I mean, I think Ben has a point with like sort of his criticism, which is to say that like it's hard it's hard to get into this if you aren't already interested in this kind of music, just because you really just have the beats to go on, and the beats aren't they're they're professional, they're you know well produced, but they're not necessarily like I don't know super hardcore or super like original or unique necessarily. I mean, I find them also a little bit repetitive on this album. Maybe, maybe it's like not true, but I can't. Doesn't come to your job and take the broom out of your hand when you're. I know, right? Or the do they actually, which would be amazing. I just yeah, show they do. up. Give me your shit. <laughs> and then I then I tell them Arbeit nervt, and they're like, "Yes, yeah, <laughs> certainly amazing." Aufstand in certainly Schlott, does. Schlott off in land. Right. The, yeah, they put out some weird shit, y'all. This album, in some ways, is one of the ones that's less weird. I think actually. But to me, it strikes me as a little more disciplined and smooth as shit out of a duck's ass. Yeah, I just think it's, and maybe it's part of it's my associations. I got it in, you know, one of those periods where I was in Regensburg for a while in Berlin. So it was just like, boom, this, almost this album all the time while I'm dealing with this insane shit. Cause there's always that program had a bunch of insane shit happen. But it's just a fact of your life at this point. Ugh, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. It involves Tinder and emergency interventions and alcoholism, and it was uh, there was some messy shit on that program. But mm-hmm. everyone came back fine, including Dykend. <laughs> and then the pandemic ruined everything. So this was the last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And I've uh, one of my best friends that you know I used to live with. She's from Hamburg and is super into this band. Her and her husband. So. It's the thing I share with my German peeps who are coming to witness the eclipse next uh, next spring. So they're going to be here. Nice. Germans coming to America, to Kentucky, to look at the sun die. And now the world is complete. Not really apocalyptic. Yeah. Whew, so I guess we should talk about some tracks. And again, I'm sorry I didn't go over quite as well as I... Uh, yeah, sometimes I forget. I guess we don't all speak German or listen to hip-hop that much, but... Yeah, I think I listen to a lot of hip hop. I just don't listen to a lot of foreign language. Yeah, that's fair. I do not listen to a lot of hip hop or a lot of foreign languages. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, just call me the ugly American on this one. I am the ugly American on this one. Speaking of tracks, would, well, would a metalhead like this? I do. Um, I do think that there is quite a bit of crossover, at least amongst the metalheads that I know very well and hip-hop slash rap music so i do whereas i do think that the language might be a barrier in concept i think that this is something that they could get into and what metalhead does want a thousand years of beer that's true maybe i think this would be a harder sell than three eyes blind was or yeah three eyes <laughs> third eye blind <laughs> three eyes blind, blind. is a co- cover band that, that does be, third that would be Three yeah. eyes, three eyes down. That's me mixing up my three days grace and third eye. Oh, it's another one of the <laughs> seven, seven Mary three days grace doors down. There, there was a, a a weird number noun, you know, um, for a thing going on with 90s band names. Matchbox 20. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Not verb, adjective. Got that matchbox number, 20. adjective, noun. 
beats Bears I'm not, Battlestar Galactica. I'm not sure if I think Metalheads would like this, except that like it's kind of, it's just a party record. You know what I mean? Like you just basically put it on, and if you're a metalhead and you're into that kind of album, then yeah, you're gonna like it. I mean, well, it's, I even, it's even got a riff on a Marilyn Manson song on it. I it's think got a like, riff on a Kraftwerk song on it. I mean, come on. Does. I think the Andrew WK wing of the Metalheads would love oh, this. Yeah. Like Pos- <laughs> so, Posicore or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. Yeah, I think the Kim Dracula end of the medical spectrum would probably be here for this. No, for sure. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So there are songs on this album, and I like a lot of them, but I'm not going to say say all, because there's a couple that are just random as fuck, like that intro. But there's Octandos, that run through it, A Thousand Years of Beer and Things is just badass. Those those three songs, Cliffhanger's pretty funny, the one about streaming. I like Kind of Party and Party Tsai, like the continuity they try to create there. Um, The booth, the beautiful people, but it's the booth full of people. Oh, which, and I don't listen to the actual song anymore. So <laughs> this is the closest I'm going to get. And then the self-driving car song is pretty funny. Oh my God. The, I may make you watch the video for really good shit. <laughs> that song. Hard to even put it into words. Anyway, it's everything but sunshine. I don't know. This album is fucking amazing. And anyone who doesn't think that is a communist or, or a fascist. A communist. I don't know. Some sort of, <laughs> you would you, you do me dirty that way. No, I like I like some of this. Um, I think that, you know, that the first like run of tracks is like pretty decent. But unfortunately, there's a lot of stuff after that that isn't so great to name something that you haven't mentioned yet. I really like Sonata in F doll um, or F doll, if you want to say it that way. And I think that uh, Give In a Give In a is like a funny take on on trap, you know, trap music. I also like Fozzie because Jesus Christ, do they use that word a lot? Or in ways that seem really inappropriate to me. And so finally, there's a song that acknowledges it's it's just a way to fill space if you're a tool. It's, oh, it's yeah. And the, the dinga, the dinga, that video is ridiculous. Amazing. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, man. All right, y'all. Yeah, some votes for some early tracks. Well, I haven't done mine yet. I, the vote. Virzak uh, Dindas, Dinge, Noro Bonbon. Canal Bonbon. Tracy, Tracy prefers the second party to the first one. I know. I should I mean, the end. It might be a good party. You just don't know. I mean, they've, you know, some things they got right this time. Yeah, I really don't have anything to add. Again, I didn't get super into any of these, but I thought a lot of the ones you guys mentioned were, even without being able to truly understand what they were saying about, was, were solid enough. Which brings us to. Brown tea's choice. Oh, I know. <laughs> I picked a hard one here. Yeah. Jimmy Hendrix, are you experienced? Yeah, going into the way back machine to May twelfth, nineteen sixty-seven, the debut album by Jimi Hendrix, length, which is not accurate to the one that I listened to because I listened to was longer than that. Um, with the original runtime was thirty-nine minutes and twenty-nine seconds. I think the one that I actually listened to, because I listened to it digitally, was closer to an hour and one minutes or something like that. Yeah, that's the one I listened to as well. Chas Chandler was the original producer. I say original because I don't know who did the remixes. And the band was Jimi Hendrix, guitarist, vocals, and piano. Noel Redding on bass guitar, backing vocals. Mitch Mitchell on drums. 
additional personnel were the breakaways, backing vocals on Hey Joe. Dave Seidel did some engineering. And yeah, man, why did you decide to go back to proto metal, Tracy? Well, I was given an option to pick something that a metal fan might like. And as we know, I primarily two genres of us do most of my life have been metal and classic rock. So I was like, well, let's let's go with some Hendrix. What can go wrong there? So here we are. And I did not know that. I never looked to see what the length of it was, you know, original release or America. And so I've been listening to this hour-long version. It's like, shit, I could have turned some fat off of it. There's so many jam versions of this. Yeah, who even I know. Yeah, because some of the ones that are later here were on the original release in the UK, mm-hmm. but got kicked off the US release. And yeah. I, I'd forgotten how much time he'd spent in the UK and how much yeah, that dude. was a part of his success and sort of catapulting to stardom. I'd forgotten about that. And reading this, I'm like, oh, yeah. I read something online. I don't know how much true it is. And it's just kind of like a random comment that at one point in time, Lemmy was part of the road crew for Jimi Hendrix. And he'd give Lemmy money to buy 10 tabs of acid, would take seven and give Lemmy the other three. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It don't doesn't know. sound impossible, but. <laughs> Jimmy loved his acid. What's his success? I mean, I think that what is true is that Hendrix had a hard time making a career as a musician in the States. Um, yeah which had a lot to do with the times he was living in and nothing to do with his talent. I mean, uh, yeah, definitely nothing at all to do with Dillis's talent. I think, you know, part of the the trouble that he had making it in the U S aside from the fact that everybody was kind of constrained to the Chitlin circuit at the time and everything was, he was, um, I mean, it's an overused term, but I think you get for him. It really fits as the free spirit because he had like trouble fitting in with like little Richard's band or, yeah, he did. Um, Isley Brothers man. So, you know, go ahead, David. No, it's going to agree. He just, it sounds like personal conflict after personal conflict every gig he had. I mean, he sounds like he was both very bright and probably difficult to work with. Yeah. Would, he, would, he, would he have, yes, he sounds like that. A little bit. Yeah. Would he have pistol whipped Fred Durst? Probably. <laughs> I'd say there's no <laughs> maybe about it. And uh, <laughs> unlike Ice, Ice T, he actually was a ranger. So. He was un- unlike. Oh my god! Yeah, yes. <laughs> unlike some people we know. Unlike some people, you're gonna get us. You're gonna get us on Ice T shit list along with Glenn <laughs> Barnes, man. Yeah, we're uh, staying, waiting for us in the parking lot. They stay. Just a long line of people just to with our asses. <laughs> oh man! Well, it was uh, really cool listening to this proto metal. I mean, I remember how much our genre owes to this and Zeppelin and such, but yeah, uh, because you know, we've done things like Rainbow and obviously Sabbath, but this was uh, I you know, and I tended to listen to the Jimi Hendrix experience or whatever that one that like self titled after his band compilation that came out in the early 90s, the really sort of one of the most famous ones. I listened to the shit out of that and had a lot of what's on here, but I mean, it was even longer, it was like two hours, I think, but. So I hadn't really listened to this first album over and over and over again in ages. Yeah, this is one of those that it's kind of hard to listen to. Not that the music isn't super good, but it's it's become so it was so revolutionary and groundbreaking at the time mm-hmm. for something that was basically just electric blues with a little bit of psychedelia. And like he played with feedback for the first time as an instrument, um, as opposed to like just something unfortunate you were getting that it's 
become ubiquitous in all rock and roll, not just metal, but like rock and roll writ large. And it's still awesome, but you know, uh, I it, it's one of those things where, like, you always hear stories about people who heard Elvis for the first time or the Beatles or something like that. And I'm always like, well, okay, cool. But I wish that I could listen to this and just in the context that it had come out in some ways. Just like if you could take a time machine, it would wipe your memory of what you know of him and see his concert live, like a, a Woodstock, yeah, so, like 1969 and just. Well, the Monterey Festival is where I would really want to see him. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause otherwise it's just fucking sad, man. Cause this dude's career, like as a, a huge artist, it's only like four years. Yeah. I mean, he was briefly the highest paid artist on in the world. Yeah. Deservedly so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's kind of, you know, to add on what Dan was talking about, you hear some like, what he's doing in this album and later albums is groundbreaking, but then by the time you get to the 80s, it's part of life. Like, it's everybody's doing it. And it's so how much kind of like the amazing, like, change of like what he's doing new at the time is washed away because of we're coming at it from 20, 30, 50 years down the line now. Well, I really enjoyed this experience, this experience of Are You Experienced by the Jimi Hendrix experience. And, uh, I'd actually never listened to this album before, um, believe it or not. I spent a lot of my childhood, I guess, listening to um, Electric Ladyland, which my dad, I think, had on vinyl. And then, you know, I had this CD of Jimi Hendrix Woodstock. And when I was a teenager, I heard songs from Band of Gypsies for the first time. And I was like, whoa, my mind was totally blown. So I was just a huge, huge fan. And there were, of course, like, you know, kids who I saw play live kids, meaning like teenagers my age who I saw play, you know, doing solos that were clearly just like mimicking, yeah. uh, you know, Hendrick, like just completely just emulating what he was doing. But that, too, was impressive in its own way. I mean, it was just like, OK, like you clearly found someone who is like a huge, you know, model and influence for you as a, you know, a guitar player, which is cool. Um, I think that. I didn't mean to to break in, but I think that that speaks to like just how otherworldly, for lack of a better term, Jimi Hendrix was. It's because of the fact that even now, God, 50 something years later, a guy, when you hear somebody play a Jimi Hendrix song on guitar, it still has a cachet of being that guy has done something, has mastered, like, especially if he plays it note accurate, has mastered what a guitar legend has done and it's still impressive despite the amount of time that's kind of gone in between. When I got first introduced to Hendrix, of course, Brassett was involved with Voodoo Child and Hulk Hogan, whatever he did his NWO turn. But like this album in particular was introduction to me was actually a track that took a bit to find and remember what it was. And it's made this be love because when I was in high school, one of my closest friends lived with his aunt and she was just massive old fucking hippie. And she could never remember the song or never had a copy of it. And it was one of her favorite songs was Made This Be Love. She always called it Waterfalls. And that song has stuck with me like since since then. So it's like 04, 05. And so that was my introduction, particularly into this album, like diving deep into it, was trying to find that song for her 20 some odd fucking years ago. Don't go chasing the waterfalls. Indeed. Stay <laughs> to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to, Tracy. Um <laughs> I also want to say that I feel like he's an underrated singer. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a great singer. Yeah. I mean, clearly everybody talks about the the guitar playing, but man, uh, the, I can't. And I, I was actually ironically talking about this. So when me and one of my coworkers were talking about like who our five 
our five favorite, who we thought the five best vocalists were, um, and Hendrix got brought up. And, you know, I was talking about, I've, I've heard covers of all kinds of stuff of, of Hendrix's, like, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan was famous for doing Little Wing mm-hmm. and some other stuff. Um, but I cannot imagine anybody else singing The Wind Cries Mary. That is just such a awesome song. Yeah, I can't either. Well, I don't know what else to say. It's it's kind of a sad topic, really. Yeah. Mm, uh, indeed. What about head like this? Huh? What a metal head like this? Oh, um, every metal head I know loves Hendrix. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is proto metal, of course. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, there's. Uh, I'm sure there are some people out there who don't, but like I, yeah. But metalhead doesn't like guitar solos. I mean, come well, on, for sure. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like Hendrix and Led Zeppelin, while not technically metal, are like the two bands metalheads love. Like they're automatically yes, like bum checked and like a green stamp. Well. Band. I would argue that Led Zeppelin set the template, at least for a strand of heavy metal that is still kind of hollow to this day, um, other than the two guitar thing, which Judas Priest kind of did, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah. Um, tracks? Shall we talk about some tracks? Sure. Tracy. I want to say I want to say all of them, but not quite. I do, since I've listened to this hour-long version of it, like, really that's the last couple of her kind of like, mm. but there's really strong ones. Purple Haze, Hey Joe, May This Be Loved, When Cries Mary, Third Stone from the Sun, Foxy Lady. And I can't listen to that fucking song without thinking about fucking Garth <laughs> and Wayne's. <laughs> yeah. So I will kind of sound like Tracy a little bit on this, and that I think that of the 10 track, or excuse me, the 11 tracks that are on the original North American edition, I love all of them. Uh, the stuff that has been on the extra long version that i listened to on spotify i love highway child can you see me red house stone free yeah i mean there's just a lot to like here so even the one that is almost double the length of the original it's more hendrix and how can you complain about that yeah i listened to the long one and i would still say all of them i mean you know that they've been overplayed but for a reason things like purple haze or hey joe this this album has aged really well yeah, I intentionally listened to the original tracks. I didn't want to listen to the extra stuff. So I also really liked doing that because, you know, there were still tracks on here that I didn't know. Um, it's not like I knew, you know, I didn't know May This Be Love. I didn't know I Don't mm-hmm. Live Today. And I didn't know Third Stone from the Sun. Like, for whatever reason, I just never encountered those. Did you know Waterfalls? Don't go chasing them waterfalls. Mm-mm. Don't. Just don't. But I would say all of them. I mean, based on my, I mean, has it aged really? It's a classic. I mean, blues never goes out of style as somebody who gets paid a lot more to do this than me said once, and I couldn't tell you who it was. Um, I guess that brings us to the Capes pick, which was also from the year 1997, the year of our Lord. April 7th, 1997 to be exact. Dig Your Own Home by the Chemical Brothers, their second studio album. Runtime is 63 minutes and 27 seconds. Produced by Tom Rollins and Ed Simons. It will come as no surprise that that is the Chemical Brothers. Now, there are some additional musicians who play on this. Uh, Noel Gallagher came in and sang vocals on Setting Sun. Beth Gordon did vocals on Where Do I Begin. DJ Cool Herc did vocals on The Introduction of Electro Bank. Keith Murray's was sampled on Electro Bank. Al Friend was the played bass on Electro Bank and Dig in Your Own Hole. Segs played bass on What's in the K Hole. Jonathan Donahue 
clarinet on the private psychedelic reel, and Simon Phillips did the drums. So by this game. So I guess I took you guys all on a trip to uh, you know, my pre-metal journey. And I think that this is also one of the albums where I figured out that electronic music was interesting and that it was something that I could like. You know, I was listening to alternative radio back at, at this time and, you know, they on occasion would play stuff late at night that was like this. Or, you know, I heard Daft Punk there for the first time, too, or one of the first times. And Daft Punk and Chemical Brothers really opened my my eyes to like mm-hmm. what electronic music was and could be. And uh, that was a really cool discovery to make because I was like, whoa, this is like this is an entire other world that I have nothing I know nothing about. And what made it accessible, I think, back then was that it was really funky. Like it had just like really good grooves and like great drums. And that was sort of easy for me to get into. I wasn't sort of like just weird and just electronic noises. It was a lot of drums. And I think that another thing one could say about this is that for, you know, I was thinking about what would metalheads maybe like about something that wasn't in their genre. And one could be groove, one could be intensity. Like this is just pretty intense music because it just sort of comes at you and comes at you and comes at you. And you could also say that it's hypnotic in a way that some atmospheric variants of different subgenres are. You know, I think of like black metal, but also maybe death metal too. So I guess that's where I'm coming from with that. Um so I am an early adopter of Chemical Brothers also. Uh, I was a bit more into the prodigy, especially the prodigy, uh, you know, around the same time. But I'd listened to EDM and electronic stuff before I listened to metal. That was the genre I was in before, I guess, like Gabe, it sounds like. And so that genre never entirely went away. And, uh, you know, I liked Basement Jacks, which is around the same era. This album, I had it. I listened to it a fair amount. Chemical Brothers, that's the other one I really loved. Uh, I didn't listen to this as much as Prodigy and Chemical Brothers. I listened to later Chemical uh, Brothers album far more, like the one the one that galvanizes on the one that came out and that must have been 2005 i listened to the shit out of that album and uh the ones before and after it so my sort of real chemical brothers era came after this but this album you know i'd say along with fat of the land and you know like vegas the chemical brothers album are foundational you mean crystal method crystal what do i keep calling them chemical brothers chemical brothers (laughs) i'm getting this The, the the chemical method brothers yes the crystal <laughs> method are you know foundational to the soul genre and some of my favorite music to this day this four on the floor shit is because i agree with you there's this sort of trippy atmospheric stuff going on especially with chemical brothers more than uh crystal method maybe or prodigy but it's good shit man it's my shit that my other shit that didn't metal is this stuff so i was certainly pleased with this pick go ahead jc this is I don't know how to say it. Uh, <laughs> like, as far as like, this is the genre of music I have the least experience with. It's like listening to this. It reminded me a lot of like end of movie like car chase music. It's like, <laughs> kind of crossed my mind listening to this, and like I was like, that's kind of not it, but I kind of get it. So like, it was hardest from the grass onto, and I, I think I just. One like how I don't listen to music. Like this is the perfect perfect music to listen to when you're like either 
dancing and like on MDMA, or if you're kind of like just got his background noise because it kind of just on MDMA, yeah, just subtly just kind of comes across in the background because there's not like there's no change ups in this to some extent. Like, you're not gonna like this one also doesn't have the issue. I'm gonna say that, um, that's some of the more, um, what was Skrillex known for? I can't remember the genre off the top of my head. What that dubstep, is. yeah, like it doesn't quite have that build up to the bass drop kind of thing on it as well. So it kind of doesn't have that like define the song structures as well no it's made more for dancing than yeah skrillex it's people dance to skrillex but he was a disruptor <laughs> the frem dogs effect anyway but yeah no, this, this stuff's quite danceable tempo wise and everything else so like this was such an an odd left field album for me to like grasp my head around. like i didn't like it but it's not something i could like i didn't dislike it but i don't think it's like i could just put on and come back to repeatedly it's not a fat boy slim fan yeah just oh, well i like fat boy slim a little bit better than i like the chemical brothers personally but uh, let me speak directly to this album so of course since my everybody knows i'm the old dude here and my album that i picked was also from 1997 so i was aware of this at the time i was not an early adopter uh, of this like uh, gabe and david but uh, especially Block Rock and Beats was such a huge song that you could Massive. encounter it. Uh, but I actually did kind of enjoy that at the time. But this was also one of those things that when I tried to listen to the album at the time, because I had some friends who were more into industrial than I were. And I think that the Venn diagram of industrial and electronica is not exactly a circle, but there's a lot of overlap. Amen. And, and you know, I could not really get into it now within a couple of years of it coming out though when i was going to clubs a lot more frequently you would encounter this a whole lot more and this is one of those things that i began to appreciate by osmosis because so many of the girls i knew were into it so i began to have an appreciation because they liked it fights with wesley snipes you know and vampires in clubs (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Car chases. What did Tracy say? Car chases is the end I, of I, movies. I want to. I, I'm glad the you movie brought that car chase. Up, David, <laughs> because Tracy listens to the most soundtrack bullshit of anybody. I, I thought know, that so. too. Huh? <laughs> I know. I'm not just liking it, but but anyway, um, you know. And then when I discovered ecstasy, I, I it unlocked the key to this kind of music for me. So yeah, I think that. Uh, you know, as somebody who came out of the the country and western, and then into the metal, and then into this, you know, it was it was challenging in a way that not even like hip hop or hardcore rap were for me, because at least those had lyrical themes that I could latch onto, even if I didn't necessarily know them what they were firsthand. But just stuff that was like beeps and bloops um, with sampled lyrics or like very minimalist lyrics at the time was very difficult for me to get a hold of. Now, now that I'm older, you know, um, and have expanded my musical palette to include stuff like jazz and classical and stuff like that. I can appreciate this a lot more. Okay, it's not like I, I don't appreciate it. It's just... Why don't you appreciate this, Tracy? I do, to an extent. But like, No, man. <laughs> I'm not saying that you have to like it and that you're a Philistine if you don't. I'm just saying. I don't know. I got that Philistine vibe from here. No, 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 man. Because at the, at the time, oh, man, I... I was not into this again. Block rock and beats. That was the, that was irresistible in a lot of ways. But like the rest of the album at the time, not so much. But like 
listening to it now some much longer than I want to think about later. You know, it's a, and I do think to Gabe's point that like a lot of metal or post metal or whatever of today with the atmospherics that it creates would be easy access but the, to this, this genre of music. I, I really think that like, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of the Americana or I hate the term, I hate to use the term for it, but outlaw country or whatever that I listen to now is a bunch of old, my age and older punks and metalheads who have left that music and are doing that now. Whereas I really think that a lot of like the electronic and trip hop guys have gone into metal and are using that for new atmospherics. We listen to both country and Western. That's right. Both genres. Well, I'm glad to hear it landed so well. <laughs> Tracks? What am I going to say? All of them. Noise. Lost uh, in the K-hole. Yeah. So for me, it's basically uh, block rock and beats. Uh, I like that even back then. Um, setting sun is pretty good. It doesn't matter. And then the ending, the closing of the album, Lost in the K-Hole, Where Do I Begin, the Private Psychedelic Reel. Yeah, I, I would, I'd say all of them. If I had a zero on some, I would also say uh, Block, Rock, and Beats, Stick Your Own Hole. Also, Setting Sound, It Doesn't Matter, I like those. And yeah, that run, Lost in the K-Hole, to the end. Not, not, even if it's not a genre, but I like many of the same songs. So, This is your Gen Xness coming out? Uh, it's, sure. a good, it's, a good, it's a good record, man. <laughs> You um, seem to like it more than you like Rob Zombie. So. <laughs> if, I had to pick, if I had to pick, I'd pick this over Rob Zombie. <laughs> All right. But uh, if if I had to make a choice, but I'd pick off here, Block Arc and Beats, Setting Sun, um, Where Do I Begin, and The Private Psychedelic Reel. So it's very similar, maybe a little more narrow than Ben and Gabe and Ben and David, but very similar picks. Nice. All right, gentlemen. It's now time to do what we're here to do, and that's to grade these bitches. Give us the grades. All right. Third Eye Blind, Benjamin. Um, this is one of my top 10 albums of all time. It's an A+. Plus. Oh, wow. We're going, okay. we talking 98, 99, 100, 102, yeah, I don't care about if you're that, David. No, nah, it's not. I mean, it's, nothing's better than 100, <laughs> but I don't care, Tracy. Give it whatever you want. Okay, that's fine. Coming in this blind, mostly blind. I'm going to give this A- minus a 91. This is a pretty damn good album, start to finish. Young Tracy would not have liked this album, but I'm a much more cultured individual now than I was when I was 19. So, Well, I think I'm maybe a lot less cultured than I was when I was 19 now. And uh, I'm going to give this an 85. I like it pretty well. I am the exact same amount of cultured as Gabe was at that time, <laughs> divided by now. I'm also going to give it a solid B in 85. It's fun. It's cool. I like it. I liked it. I would have just failed it outright probably then, but yeah, I'm going to give it a solid B because my wife doesn't listen to the show and won't pull a Haley on me, like disappear <laughs> me, like Evanescence. That gives us a 90. Would you buy this album? I have bought it on multiple formats. <laughs> they would say on multiple occasions, but I guess that's the same and also thing. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll kill a man. Don't watch me. Yeah, um, I might. I would certainly buy it for my wife. I actually uh, even bought the fucking guitar tap book for this at one point in my life. Nice. I right. definitely pick up some singles um, from this, especially the ones that I didn't know before this listen. Word. All right, David. The Vierzog Don Das. 
I mean, I'm a, a tool, so I'm going to give this an A. <laughs> this sounds awesome. A for awesome. Yes, I would buy it several thousand times. I've bought every Dyke Kid album and sit for this last one. I've just been streaming it because I've been in Germany to, to buy it physically. But yeah, this is an A for me. Dave, you want to get the other German-speaking great on this before me and Ben are not non-German-speaking? Yeah, right. before, <laughs> yeah, uh, before us ugly Americans drag that great down. He's going to give us a yeah. G-. minus. I mean, I'm not going to go as high as David. I, I think that I like... You know, I don't I don't think I even like 50 percent of the, the songs on this. It's just because there's so many. You know what I mean? So I'm going to give this a low B and an 84. I think if you don't like jokey rap, like you're not going to like this. Basically, half the charm is the jokes. Yeedem does sign it. Jokes on jokes. In other words, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> uh, ben, you want to go next? Yeah, man, I'm going to give it a C plus. I mean, I. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it. I just, the language barrier is too much for me, but like hearing Gabe and David talk about it makes me think that like, if you are into German hip hop, um, and, and then I think what Gabe said is your tolerance for whether you like joke rap or not. So. Yeah. I think I'm there with David. I would have been on this grade with a C plus as well. There's nothing like wrong with it, but it does. The language does issue a barrier, especially when it comes to rap. And it's solid overall, but I mean, it's just, there's a lot to take in with it. Tracy, if you'd applied yourself properly, you would just learn German this week and gone through this album. I know. That's yeah, what's right. up with that, Tracy? I'm not, a, well. I'm, not a, I'm not a woundkind. <laughs> According to Murray State University, Tracy can speak and read German, so. At a basic, language, basic level, <laughs> that was over, in my defense, a decade ago as well. So, I mean, in my defense. But, but we're tight. Was Dyken part of that curriculum? I don't think so. No, it, it might have stuck with it better if it had been. Where was the UN then? That's all. Where was saying. Where was David then? That's what I want to know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Graydon Tracy. Actually, yeah. Tracy, what did you do this for? Fail. Fail minus. Fail minus. Speaking of fail minus, um, average is at eighty four. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, average. I would. I would not buy it. I would, I would not either. <laughs> I'd buy the singles that I like for real. I mean, they're pretty fun. For sure. Uh, are you experienced, gentlemen? Did you enjoy your experience? I did. I'm gonna give this an A ninety-five. I'm gonna give this an A plus because what it is. I think I'm also gonna have to give it an A plus just because you know, if anything is gonna get a legacy bump, it's gonna be this. And I thought yes. it was a damn good album uh, anyway. So I was starting out at an A and and it can't come i mean yeah as it was it is a plus yeah a plus 100 launched into space like yeah 100 all right i'll just bump mine up to that a plus as well because you know what <laughs> it does deserve it peer <laughs> pressure peer pressure and like <laughs> the d is gonna call well, he doesn't, doesn't want to be left behind yeah. <laughs> we're like, in I space space <laughs> <laughs> y'all twisted my arm on this and talking me up it's a 90 i gave it a plus as well <laughs> oh that gives an average of 99 and i think we'd all buy this album yeah yeah i bought it before so like, this is, yeah. like i feel like this is one of those albums that everybody needs to have it in their collection at some point or at least heard it yeah, oh, I've, heard, I've, I've heard it <laughs> again it's one of those things that not to be modern about it but man what he could have done anyway we don't know 
Um, Chemical Brothers, dig your own hole. Well, I'm going to start us off high. I mean, I think that there's a reason why uh, this record has like stuck with me for such a long time. Um, it's really, really good. Uh, and it doesn't get old for me. So I'm going to give this a 96. This is foundational for the genre. It has aged well, and it's awesome. I'm going to give this an A. I'm going to drag that great way down to a 95. Because I actually like some Chemical Brothers after this better. Because I'm weird. Trout dance. I'm going to dig a hole. I think Ben can get us out of that hole. So I'm going to put this at a low B minus of like an 81. or A. I'll put it at B minus at an 80. Just one bad, but I mean, this isn't something I want to do consistently over and over and over again. I am going to come up from Tracy. I'm not going to come up a whole lot from Tracy in that even though I have a, I don't like electronica um, as much as David and Gabe, I do have to appreciate what this is. Um, I'll give it a, a very solid B. I'll give it an 86. Give it an 86. Because it's an average of 89. Would you buy the album, gentlemen? Yeah, to help I them did. get I did, and I would. I want to get them into med school. 89, that's not going to cut it. I buy two. <laughs> I buy Tracy one so he can listen to it in his downtime. <laughs> right. right. Just, well, just probably in German so he can get his... All of a sudden, Gabe shows up at my house, ties me up, like, you're going to listen to this album 20 times nonstop. And three copies it. of it for 1999. I would buy it. All right, gentlemen. That brings our perfect nominal albums for Metalheads Volume 2 to a close. What's our next volume? Our next picks are going to be earlier albums of bands we've done, courtesy of David. So is, that, is it creative? No, but it is a it is a an assignment. It is an assignment indeed. Should be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. We've got some nice little picks in there from what it seems like. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun fucking like that's gonna be a fun fucking experience, is all I want to say. You're going to get to say things like, this was placed 279 on my 2018 list. <laughs> no. There's going to be a lot of that coming out. I don't think so, because none of those albums came out. I rated this 758 of my thousand all-time best albums. <laughs> See, you got to go back to the future, Tracy, and start grading like, albums as they came out yeah he gives he gives himself excel as a child but then that becomes <laughs> that, that becomes self-aware like that's how skynet happens there's this spreadsheet that he's using to like categorize wrestling figures or whatever <laughs> maybe prove me wrong gentlemen prove me wrong never gonna happen on thunderdome metal reviews Bach rock and beats. Boom, 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 boom.